Dissonance Media and the Other Stories presents Step into the abyss of After the Gloaming, a gothic fiction podcast that delves into the depths of human emotion, unyielding love, revenge, internal struggles, and restless souls await you in nine haunting episodes where dread, fear, and rare glimpses of eerie happiness linger. Dare to listen on your favourite podcatcher? After the gloaming beckons, search now, but beware, innocence will be left behind. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. These aren't the stories your mother told you. No, these are the other stories. Welcome back. It's certainly good to see you all again. Of course, I'm speaking metaphorically. I can't really see you. Can I? Better to not do anything strange, just in case. Speaking of strange, though, did you know that just one of the interesting quirks of the storytelling space that Kez has set up for us here is that regardless of the time that you're listening, for us, it's always the dead of night. Vitamin D deficiency aside, I'm not complaining. It's the perfect environment for our type of storytelling after all. And if I get up and throw open the window... Ah, there we go. Then, whenever we're not beset by storm clouds, I can look up and see the stars. For as long as people have been telling stories, these twinkling lights have inspired our imaginations, reminded us of our insignificance, and helped many an adventurer find their way and the crew of wayward sailors at the heart of today's story is no exception to this. So join me now, as I invite you all to get into a nautical mood. Ban down ye hatches, ye scurvy dogs, and prepare to be press-ganged into the crew of the Ferris Pike, as they sail for a land where they never grow up.
Sometimes to blow the man down. We sail through the tropics, we sail through the cold. Yo, blow the man down. We sail for the land where they never grow old. Give me some time to blow the man down. Blow the man down, bullies, blow the man down. Yo, ho. Blow the man down Blow em right back home to old London town Give me some time to blow the man down The crew of the Ferris Pike remained in fine spirits. Normally, a well-stocked vessel and fair pay would be enough to see a hardy crew steadfastly sail to the far edge of the world. But all aboard this voyage would gladly sail not only to the edge, but far beyond it. Jim looked out at the horizon. The evening sky glowed with colours you rarely saw inland. The blues of the day giving way to oranges, swelled with pinks and purples. A festival of colour before the incomparable darkness of night at sea. Glancing at the faces about him, he could see many others who were perhaps once just like him. Hardened by more years on the waves and diminishing reasons to return to land, reasons he still clung to. Lucy had long lamented being left alone for months on end every time he set sail, and had begged him not to allow his work make an absentee father of him to their daughter. Oh, for that to be the extent of her worries now. Captain on deck! The crew stood to attention turning their eyes to the captain as he stepped from his quarters. Tales of the extravagant figure that the captain cut had been far from the exaggerations of shantymen alone. Curls of ebon hair tumbled from beneath a wide-brimmed hat. His eyes a cold blue. Either feature might have been the first thing an observer would notice, if not for the bold crimson of the man's jacket, which billowed in the ocean breeze as he patrolled up and down the deck hands thrust into deep pockets as he met each man's eye in turn. I have sailed with many of you before, upon many ships, under many flags, and after many quarries. I have been named many things by many people. Pirate, privateer, madman, a fanatic, a turncoat, and the last hope of the desperate. All of you may address me as Captain. Thunderous shouts of, I, Captain, erupted from all portions of the ship. We sail to bring end to a terror that most men cannot or will not face. A fiend that tempts away the innocent with promises of never needing to grow up. Oh, and how bitterly the creature keeps its promise. A silence fell across the deck. Jim looked and saw countless stories of loss and regret flash across the faces of his shipmates. He suspected that his own face told a similar tale in that moment. Many thought him mad after hearing the story of what he and Lucy had seen on the night that their daughter had gone missing. No doubt many thought the captain mad for leading this voyage too. But here on this ship, they were all at least suffering with the same madness. Whether ye sail with us for reward, 
revenge, or redemption. Keep your powder dry and your blade sharp, lads. This malfaction will be brought to heel by all of you. Raising both arms, the captain brought both down hard onto the railing with a heavy thud as cheers exploded from the crew. Jim's eyes fixed on the captain, most specifically his left hand, or rather the artificial one, balled into an eternal fist that had splintered the wood in the spot where it struck. Best not to stare, lad. An older crewman with a salt-encrusted beard cautioned as he returned to his duties. They say he lost it same day he lost his own boy. Jim wasn't sure whether or not to believe the old man, but he'd come this far. What was there to question now? The Pike was a decent-sized brig, swift in the water, and with a crew tireless in their duties. They sailed without abating for five days. A late addition to the rotor, Jim found himself put to assorted tasks, filling gaps where needed. The haunted and scarred men that made up the crew mostly kept to their own company, save for the comfort of song. Their diligence to duty offered little spare time for lollygagging. As the fifth night drew on, Jim was tasked with bringing refreshments to those keeping watch on the deck. What do you make of our heading? Jim asked a watchman as he handed him a bundle containing some cheese and bread from the galley. Ha! I make of it that my brain be too soft to be that of a navigator, and even if it weren't, my app be too small for anyone to be taking my suggestions on our course. The sailor snorted with laughter as he snatched up the package. We follow the stars alone, my boy. For when you want a predator whose lair is not on the charts, you must travel as he does. The captain himself stepped out from the shadows where he had been concealed. Begging your pardon, captain, it wasn't my intention to question your orders. It's just... It feels like we're sailing blindly after a phantom. And by rights I, and anyone who would follow me, should be in an asylum, lest we all be in our watery graves. You spoke with my man and joined us because you know that the impossible is not always just so. I agreed to have you aboard because your child was taken not a month ago. Of all the men aboard this ship, you have my greatest sympathy. Had we raised this expedition sooner, your grief might have been avoided. You're also here because you perhaps carry more hope than the rest of this crew combined. But I can offer you nothing more. For the time for talk is at an end. Stretching out his right hand, the captain pointed to the horizon as twelve bells began to chime. It's starting. Spurred into action by the signal, the crew began to boil from below the decks like ants from a kick nest, all armed to the teeth. Cutlass and pistol were thrust into Jim's grip as all hands were called to arms. It began like a sunrise faintest lines of colour at the vanishing point of the horizon, a colour somewhere between orange and purple that no man on the crew had ever seen, let alone could name. It lingered on the edge of perception for a moment, before racing at them like a flood, sweeping across sea and sky alike, until they seemed to float in an uncanny void, the comforting sounds of the ocean replaced by swirling winds and echoed laughter surrounding them quietly at first, but growing ever louder. Hold your nerves, lads! The captain bellowed. We're at the threshold! 
the man to Jim's right covered his ears. To his left, another's guts turned to water as he vomited over the side. Jim himself stood stunned, near cataleptic from overstimulation. No! The captain roared as the ship lurched in a hard starboard turn, wind catching the sails. The whole vessel tilted as cannons barked, firing a full volley out into the oppressive bright nothing. The sky cracked like glass and then shattered, returning the Pike and her crew to the dark and moonlit ocean as huge shards of unnamed hues fell into the black waters below. For a moment, all was silent, the darkness all the more oppressive for its sudden onset. But then they noticed the figures. Small, silhouetted frames hanging above them in the air, watching the crew with an ominous, muted intensity. A voice, shrill and playful, like one of a boy, but with the undertone of something far older, called out. Tell me, Captain, did you come for your son or your hand? Because I'm afraid both are long gone. A single figure descended from the suspended flock above. The levity of his green tunic and hat made him seem the very picture of innocence. But Jim had seen the horrors this smiling face disguised on the night that it snatched his only daughter from her bedchamber window. As the figure lowered, it cast a vile shadow across the deck, a pitch-black reflection of the creature's true self that lunged at the flinching men and walked into grotesque shapes in the moonlight. Then it is by fortune that I come with no hope other than to end you, boy. The captain spat. Then it seems it's my merry crew against yours, Captain. Raising a pipe to his lips, the creature played a jaunty tune and turned loose his murderous flock on the crew below. The stout and hardened men could have faced almost any unspeakable horror and held their own in battle, but when they were set upon not by fearsome warriors or nightmares from the deep, but by their own children still dressed in their night clothes, eyes glassy, faces hollow, enchanted and enthralled by the very creature that was consuming them. Almost to a man, they lost any fight they had begun with. a scream, the lookout from the crow's nest was the first to fall, crashing unceremoniously to the deck with a wet thud, made all the more sickening by the giggles of children that celebrated his demise. They tittered with laughter and shrieked with glee as they cut down one man after another. The sailors did their best to defend, but without the heart to attack, they were being quickly overwhelmed. Of all of them, only the captain fought with the ferocity of one who saw past the illusions. He parried the blade of the cackling ringleader, the blackness of its eyes like ravenous pits betraying the nature beneath its childish visage. The thing soared around the deck, flying not on wings but in an ethereal shimmering cloud. It struck at the captain again and again, lunging forward viciously seeking an opening. As the creature dived once again from above, it twisted to avoid the captain's blade, but neglected to dodge a heavy blow from the iron fist, which sent it spiralling hard into the railings, cracking the wood with more weight than its body size suggested. As the blow was struck, the effect seemed to ripple through the creature's followers. They clutched at their heads and some staggered, giving the crew a moment's reprieve. The monster that looked like a boy snarled and clutched its face for a moment. Lowering its hands, 
The face was now blackened and burned where the iron had struck. The form writhed and shifted in keeping with its shadow. All pretense of childlike fun fell away as it stood to its full height, its feet hardening into hooves as its knees reversed direction, bone and sinew cracking beneath its masquerade as it morphed into a truer reflection of its nature. Fucking Godfish. I am the spawn of your gods. I will not be denied my flock and my feast by the likes of you. I will take far more than your hand for this. Jim staggered and tumbled through the carnage. Blood sprayed across his face as a cherub slit the throat of one crewman and almost lost his footing on the innards of another as a pair of cheering tots spilled them across the deck. He aimlessly looked about, looking for some way to take action. Just ahead, the captain was locked in single combat with the hissing and cursing creature, the privateer's expert swordmanship that would have quickly filleted a human assailant merely allowed him to barely hold his ground against the berserker rage of the creature, its form undulating between eternal youth and timeless horror before his eyes. Jim gripped his pistol and took aim at the beast. Misplaced honor was no thing to invest when pitched against such an abomination. But then, a figure stepped between them. A tiny body easy to see around but whose image eclipsed Jim's whole world. Uh, Elizabeth. His daughter stood before him, wearing the same nightgown she'd been in on the night that she'd vanished. Her skin was pale, her eyes vacant, showing no sign of recognizing her own father. To her, he was just another pirate in some wondrous game of make-believe. An enemy to be overcome with the pistol that she pointed towards him. Oh, how sweet. The creature chuckled as with a flourish it spun the captain's rapier from his grip and forced the staggering mariner against the wall, plunging his cruel blade into the man's belly, gripping the captain's face with an oily three-fingered appendage. The monster forced him to face Jim as he tearfully tried to breach his daughter's enchanted reverie. Watch as the hope of your voyage dies, Captain. That man is far more than this ship's hope, you parasitic skinwalker. With an almighty effort, the captain plunged his iron fist into the creature's abdomen, fey flesh sizzling and blistering to the touch of the metal. The captain twisted the limb loose, detaching the prosthetic and leaving behind a singular, jagged iron hook, grafted directly to his flesh and bone below. Hope was just the bait I needed for the hook. Swinging the hook upwards, he embedded it into the creature's jaw, prompting a hideous screech as the monster, pierced by iron, lost control of its faculties and thralls alike. All across the pike, Little lost souls echoed the wailing and fell motionless to the deck, the force holding them disrupted. Jim leapt forward, cradling Elizabeth's tiny form as she fell limp before she could land roughly on the blood-soaked boards. 
Casting his eyes around, he saw bloody and injured men throwing weapons aside to tend to fallen children. Then he met the captain's eye for the final time. The man stood proudly, blood soaking through his white undershirt and his terrible catch limply struggling on the hook. Point the prow at the brightest star, lad, and sail straight on till you see the dawn. Should these children wait restored, I pray their memories are kind enough to help them forget. Let them come up with stories of fairies and pirates to their heart's content, lest their dreams (coughs) suffer the horror of the truth we who are grown must bear. And with that, he turned and limped to the edge of the deck, a trail of blood behind him, and the skewered demon struggling desperately on the hook, as both warping body and shadow alike clawed in vain for something to grip onto. It found none, and the captain, with no further word, cast both of them over the side and into the bottomless depths of the inky black waters below. I hope you enjoyed your trip today to the Tragic Kingdom. They Never Grow Up was written and narrated by Andy Conduit-Turner, produced by James Barnett, a.k.a. Jimmy Horace himself, with an opening theme composed by Duncan Muggleton, based on the original music by Tom Robson. Additional music in today's episode has been provided by Dark Fantasy Studio. The sound effects are provided by freesound.org and soundsmp3.com and zapsplat.com. The episode illustration was provided by Luke Spooner of Carry On House. A quick thanks to our community managers Joshua Boucher and Jasmine Arch, and to Joshua Boucher and Carolyn O'Brien for helping with our submission reading, and of course to Ben Errington for creating a social media fairy tale, each tweet a new adventure, every post to Happy Ever After. Andy Conduit-Turner is a writer, editor and podcaster from the UK. With a love of horror across all mediums, you can find his stories featuring on several volumes of the other stories, his comics published by Horde Comics and more. You'll find Andy himself on Twitter at at AndyCTWrites, on the Horror Hangout podcast discussing the best and worst of horror films, and, oh, standing right behind you. Watch out, we'll put you in a cupboard. James Barnett is the producer of the Night's End podcast a short story fiction podcast with tales of horror and the paranormal. Search for it wherever you get your podcasts. You can also catch other works of his at jamesbarnettcreative.com. The Other Stories is a production of the story studio Hawk and Cleaver and is brought to you with a Creative Commons attribution, no commercial, no derivatives license. That means don't change it, don't sell it, but by all means, share the hell out of it. So, until next time.